Pelosi and Trump are having a spat again, all because Trump's doctor gave him an option. Trump threw a temper tantrum until we find out it was actually Obama who threw the temper tantrum. Susan Rice, Rice's classified email about the Michael Flynn issue is released and the media continues to scream conspiracy theory. And finally, Trump threw the who into a stew over the Wuhan flu. Yes, I do like Dr. Zeus. This is Gene, and you're listening to Dumbasses Talking Politics. Hey, hey, I'm back. Took a couple days off, was a little bit off, needed some time to relax. Uh, and unfortunately, a lot of news is coming out. So let's, well, a lot of news is coming out and a lot of non-news is coming out. And the, the unfortunately, the news media has got to cover the non-news. And what's sad is, the non-news is being lied about too. So they're pretty much anything they could do to make Trump look bad, and they're doing it. And the first story, or actually non-story, I rank is probably the dumbest story of the week. Uh, Trump made the following admission during a news conference on Tuesday, and for some reason this was the biggest news of the week. Uh, well, listen. The frontline workers, many, many are taking it. I happen to be taking it. I happen to be taking it. Hydroxychloroquine? I'm taking it. Hydroxychloroquine. Right now, yeah. A couple of weeks ago, I started taking it. Because I think it's good. I've heard a lot of good stories. And if it's not good, I'll tell you right, I'm not going to get hurt by it. It's been around for 40 years for malaria, for lupus, for other things. I take it. Frontline workers take it. A lot of doctors take it. Excuse me. A lot of doctors take it. I take it. Now, I hope to not be able to take it soon because, you know, I hope they come up with some answer. But I think people should be allowed to. I got a letter. Yep, that's the big news. So, so what you might say to yourself. Yeah, pretty much. But do you hear the shock in the media? He's taking hydroxychloroquine along with a zinc and an antibiotic called erythromycin which I can't really pronounce nor spell, so excuse me if I'm off. And basically, it the drug has been around a while. It is an anti-malarial drug. And the, it does have some side effects for people who are older or people who are have underlying health conditions. Um, one of those health conditions is heart problems, high blood pressure, things like that. The zinc and the erythromycin are used to counter the uh, uh, the other um, problems that the drug can cause. So the zinc is actually there to uh, help with the blood pressure and the uh, heart issues. And the uh, uh, erythromycin is, used, is an antibacterial um, drug that is actually used to counter some of the weaknesses, specifically, I believe it's the lungs, that the drug can cause. But outside of that, the drug has been around forever. It's really cheap. It has been used there. Uh, it has been used by a lot of people for the prevention and treatment of COVID-19. There really is no, there is no, there are no studies that say that it's actually gonna prevent COVID-19. There's really nothing there for it. But some doctors say it's it's worked. Uh, some doctors really stand by it. Some doctors don't. So, okay, big deal. Uh, now, the thing is, 
Trump, of course, isn't taking this on his own. He's This has to be prescribed. And he is working, obviously, with the Surgeon General, who is actually his personal doctor while he's President of the United States. So you know that someone has actually prescribed this to him, prescribed the cocktail to him. All right, big deal. And considering the White House has had some problems, all right, so what? Not a big deal. And if anything happens, more than likely, they'll, they'll just take them off. But Dr. Nancy Pelosi had a comment about it. And let's just say the doctor, doctor's bedside manner leaves a little bit to be desired. As far as the president is concerned, um, the... Uh, uh, our, he's our president, and I would rather he not be taking something that has not been approved uh, by the scientist, especially in his age group and in his, shall we say, weight group, what is morbidly obese, they say. So I, I, uh, I, I think it was, it's not a good idea. Isn't it the left that is constantly screaming about body shaming and garbage like that? Now, the president and President Trump is kind of heavy. Let's let's call it what it is. Uh, I don't know if morbidly obese is exactly the the uh, terms. And, you know, you've got to have between 40 and 60 percent body fat and weigh 100 pounds or more, be 100 pounds overweight or have diabetes or, or any of the other problems that are caused by being morbidly obese. So I'm not exactly sure if Trump is 40 to 60% body fat and weighs 100 pounds over what he is. I mean, I'm sure he's probably close to 300 pounds, but you got to remember the guy's 6'4", 6 6 he's a He's a big guy. So it, this, is, this is just done to get under Trump's skin. And there is no reason anyone should be concerned. Nancy Pelosi isn't concerned, so let's call it what it is. She'd go, she could care less. If Trump dies tomorrow, she's going to be thrilled. But why you got to go in that direction? It's just, it's tacky. It's petty. It makes her look tacky and petty. So whatever. And Trump, and Trump responded in a way that I think is how he should have responded. Do you have any questions? Oh, I don't, I don't respond to her. I think she's a waste of time. That's a good, strong answer. And that's pretty much how he should. He, he, with that answer, made her look small and petty. And that's exactly how he should respond to garbage like that that he gets from everybody. Is just answer like that. But of course, he's President Trump. So they, they're going back and forth uh, on, uh, on uh, Wednesday back and forth, back and forth. Uh, Trump said she's mentally ill. And of course, Nancy Pelosi responds with, um, he's got a problem. They're, they're both basically calling each other crazy. So we've gone from, we've gone from a very good answer, good Trump to bad Trump, where he, now he's questioning her mental fitness. It's, it, this isn't necessary stuff. And this is not even an important issue. I don't understand why the news media is making such a big stink about this. I'm pretty sure the Surgeon General is not going to prescribe something to the President of the United States and just watch watch him drop, drop dead. Even if 
the Surgeon General doesn't like Trump. I'm pretty sure that's not going to be a good thing on his resume in the future. So this was really a dumb story. But And I said that was the dumbest story of the week. No, there is one that's dumber, but it wasn't as big. And this story involves uh, Barack Obama. Now, this is none of this is an absolute shock. Every president has his portrait hanging in the White House, and there's actually a ceremony that that portrait is unveiled, and it usually happens during the next president's term. Well, Barack Obama's portrait is all ready, and they want to hang the portrait up in the White House. Now, typically, this has been done this way for 40 years, so this is not something that just started happening. So it's they have probably seven, eight presidents, so 40, 10 presidents has been happening, so it's not, it's not really an ancient tradition. So Barack Obama's portrait is ready, and um, the ceremony was scheduled, and then the ceremony was canceled. Well, the news media made it out that President Trump canceled the ceremony for Barack Obama's portrait to be unveiled. And he's being petty, and he's being mean, and he's orange, and everything else. So it's just this absolute terrible thing. Well, it turns out that's not really what happened. President Trump never canceled or told someone to cancel the unveiling of the portrait. And by the way, that portrait is really, it's absolutely terrible. If I were president, the last thing I'd want is that portrait of me. So... It was Barack Obama who canceled the event, and he said he would not have his portrait unveiled with this president in the White House. So it could be, and of course, I don't necessarily blame him. President Trump can't stand Obama either. He was going to allow the ceremony to take place, but he wasn't going to show up. He was going to sit back. I think he was going to go to Camp David or something. So he had made plans not to even be there. But so both men, and I don't blame both men. Barack Obama is being investigated right now. Nothing's going to happen to him. Nothing's going to happen to Biden. That was something that we probably need to talk about later, is that uh, William Barr has basically said that he's not going to have anything to do with this election, which means the investigations are not going to sit and go after Joe Biden or Barack Obama, which I think is a good thing, and we'll talk about that later. But... The, the whole thing is just stupid. This didn't make a heck of a splash. But, you know, of course, the news media has to make it out that it's all President Trump's fault. This is President Trump being President Trump, and that's just not the case. This time, it's Barack Obama. And you know what? Who cares? Again, we're making stories out of nothing. So these two last stories, really dumb, right? Am I way off here? Well, that's because the media's got to concentrate on something and divert the attention of the public, or at least the people who watch them, <coughs> to what's really going on. Because the more that's coming out about this uh, Mike Flynn story, the General Mike Flynn story, the more corruption is looking like has occurred. And even though the media can scream, this is nothing but a wild conspiracy. It's looking less and less like a conspiracy. 
And by the way, it doesn't, it doesn't even look that much like a conspiracy. Well, this week, um, the uh, Justice Department released, de- released and declassified an email that Susan Rice, who was a defense advisor, she was actually the counterpart to Michael Flynn. Michael Flynn was going to replace her. Um, that she sent to herself on the day that Trump was inaugurated. It's about a meeting that was hosted by uh, President Obama involving Joe Biden, James Comey, the former FBI director, and uh, I believe she was the UN ambassador, Sally Yates. I I may be incorrect there. Um, Actually, no, I'm sorry. She worked for the DOJ. Can't remember exactly what she did, but she is someone kind of high up that we need to watch. And of course, Susan Rice was there. This meeting occurred about two to three weeks before she actually wrote the email. So if you go to www.dumbassestalkingpolitics.com, you can you can read the email. So here it is. Email starts. It's only about a page long. On January 5th, following a briefing by IC leadership on Russian hacking during the 2016 presidential election, President Obama had a brief follow-up conversation with the FBI FBI Director Jim Comey and Deputy Attorney General, there it is, that's what she is, uh, Sally Yates in the Oval Office. Vice President Biden and I were present. President Obama began the conversation by stressing his continued commitment to ensuring that every aspect of this issue is handled by the intelligence and law enforcement communities by the book. And she puts that in quotes. The pres and she uses her period incorrectly. Okay, well, the president's, str- I guess it's an email, so your punctuation isn't as important. Uh, she did go to Harvard. You'd think she'd know how to do that. Anyway, the president stressed that he is not asking about initiating or instructing anything from a law enforcement perspective. He reiterated that our law enforcement team needs to proceed it proceed as it normally would by the book. From the national security perspective, however, President Obama said he wants uh, to be sure that as we engage with the incoming team, we are mindful to ascertain if there is any reason that we cannot share information fully as it relates to Russia. Um, yeah, you're the outgoing president. The incoming president should know about this stuff. You can see that even though so far she's trying to disguise this as a we were doing everything right kind of thing, already she's admitting that, well, we're not going to tell the incoming president anything more, anything if we don't need to. So James Comey, if they had a problem with Michael Flynn, they should have they should have told President Trump, and they never did. Continuing the letter, Director Comey affirmed that he is proceeding, quote, by the book, end quote, as it relates to law enforcement. From a national security perspective, Comey said he does have some concerns that incoming NSA Flynn is speaking frequently with Russian Ambassador Kislyak. Comey said that he could that could be an issue as it relates to sharing sensitive information. President Obama asked if Comey was saying that the NSC should not pass sensitive information related to Russia to Flynn. Comey replied, 
potentially. This time she actually potentially is in quotes, and this time she actually put the period in the right spot. I don't know, she maybe it was just a typo. He added that he has no indication thus far that Flynn has passed classified information to Kislyak, but he noted that quote the level of communication is unusual. End quote. The president asked Comey to inform him if any anything changes in the next few weeks that should affect how we share classified information with the incoming team. Comey said he would. Okay, a couple things with this letter. Um, first off, this is a cover-your-ass letter. There's no question about this. Uh, typically, if you're going to do something like that, you typically want to do it the day of the meeting where it's fresh in your mind. It's very curious why this letter was written on the day of Trump's inauguration uh, two to three weeks after the meeting. And you can tell it's a cover-your-ass uh, uh, cover letter simply by the fact that she says by the book three times that Trump or Trump Obama wanted everything by the book, and she, she reiterates it. Now, here's the thing, and that's, that's important, but here's the thing. They admit they're not going to tell President Trump everything. And Comey who doesn't have any information on uh, Flynn about his meetings with uh, the ambassador Kislyak is basically saying, well, I, we may be, it, it sounds like they're actually already investigating him. Now here's the problem. There's nothing wrong with a, a defense or security advisor talking to an ambassador. And Flynn was already a security advisor. He knows how to deal with other countries. He knows how to deal with ambassadors. He knows what he can and can't say. So there was really no reason to investigate him, except that Flynn was not very popular with the Obama administration when he worked for them. And Flynn probably knew some things. As a matter of fact, the rumors are that's exactly what it is, that Flynn did know some things about the Obama administration. And there was some fear of of him actually bringing that up in the Trump administration and and stuff like that, maybe the media. So this letter is just extremely, extremely suspicious. And it does confirm things. It confirms that the Obama administration did, went, was in charge of not actually telling. Now, this is not illegal, okay? But the Obama administration was not going to tell the Trump administration everything while they were going out. There's no real reason for that. None. You tell the you when you change power, you're supposed to tell them everything, including uh, the fact that one of your security advisors might be a Russian spy. That would be I would think that would be something that uh, should have been told or that he was being in, investigated, but this was all kept under the rug. And who was doing the dance? President Obama. And right there with them was uh, Sleepy Creepy Joe. So this stinks to high heaven. Now, are any laws broken? No, no. This is not a huge big deal. The letter basically brings more suspicion than it would have if she never sent it. And I believe that Susan Rice was covering her own butt because she's already had she already had problems with Benghazi 
all the lying she did about Benghazi and why Benghazi uh, occurred and with the YouTube video and how the administration didn't send help when they needed help. So I'm pretty sure Susan Rice wrote this not necessarily to cover Barack Obama's behind, even though she kind of did, but to cover her behind more than anything because she still was kind of high up in the administration at the time and she had really taken a beating over Benghazi. So just remember this, whenever you hear uh, Democrats screaming or the media screaming, but I repeat myself uh, about this being a conspiracy theory, this is not a conspiracy theory. Something happened and it was probably really, really bad. Is someone gonna go to jail? Yeah, probably. It won't be Obama. It won't be Biden. They may be questioned. They may be called in front of Congress, but they're not in any legal trouble. And let's face it, Obama's a very good politically and uh, sleepy, creepy Joe, even though he's, you know, 3,000 years old and can't stay awake for more than four minutes, he's still a very good politician. The last story is involves the WHO and the United States. This is why I love Trump. Trump is not a globalist. Trump is a nationalist. And I didn't say white nationalist. I said a nationalist. We discussed the differences. Globalists always bow to the tyrannical. And they bow to the tyrannical because the tyrannical's main goal, the tyrant's main goal, is to expand his or her power. And when he expands his or her power, there is an aggression that ends up taking over places that are, or peoples, that are less motivated. Uh, That's a bad word, but that are less tyrannical. And the reason they do that is because they expect power once the tyrant takes control. This is something that has been shown through history. VW did it with the Nazis. Um, And you can see it today. Google. uh, Google is doing it right now. Google, Facebook, Twitter. They're doing it right now with China. Because China is the tyrannical government. And they are trying to take over the world. The news media, you can see it, how they kowtow to... To China. It's it's truly disgusting. This is why globalism doesn't work. Globalism only thinks we're all one world, we're holding hands, kumbaya. Yeah, it's not kumbaya because each country has a different goal. Some of the goals are financial, like you have with China. Some of the goals are freedom, like you have in the United States. Some of the goals deal with fundamentalist religion like you have in Iran. And the problem is when you mix these, it they, they're not compatible. They're like puzzle pieces that you're trying to shove together and make work. And it just doesn't work that way. It really doesn't work that way. The World Health Organization basically proves all this. Um... According to the BBC uh, news agency, quote, a letter has been sent from, uh, excuse me, it's not a quote, I'm saying this. 
a letter has been sent from the White House to the WHO. And basically, the WHO has 30 days to make, quote, substantive improvements, end quote, or risk losing millions of dollars from the United States or lose the United States membership altogether. The letter was written to uh, the WHO chief, Tedros. I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce his names, uh, but Tedros is, he's, he's called Dr. Tedros. And by the way, Dr. Tedros isn't even an epidemiologist. And I think there's some question whether or not he's actually a, uh, he's actually a medical doctor. I heard some rumors I'm going to sit back and actually take a look at that. Um, so he's a public health official. He's a non-physician, so he's not even a medical doctor. That's from, uh, that's from Wikipedia. I know we shouldn't trust Wikipedia completely. But he's the first non-physician to lead the WHO. That makes him a politician. Definitely not a medical doctor. That's weird for the World Health Organization. The, uh, a letter is actually criticizing the WHO's efforts, or the WHO's effort, I'm going to call them the WHO from now on, uh, and failings from December of 2019. President Trump called the UN's body just a puppet of China. And they've proven they've been a puppet of China. Everything that China has said, they have regurgitated and are still regurgitating. So in case you forgot, um, back in December, China said they didn't have an epidemic. The WHO said there's no epidemic in China. China said that the coronavirus, once they couldn't hide the thousands upon thousands and upon thousands of funeral urns that filled funeral urns, the WHO said that um, there is an epidemic, but it is contained. When China sat back and said that the virus could not be spread from person to person, the WHO said it cannot be spread from person to person. China said they had contained the virus. And the WHO praised them for containing the virus. And as the virus began to spread throughout the world, because China lied to everybody, and they basically contained, they contained the city of Wuhan where Chinese people couldn't go from city to city, they never contained Chinese people going from country to country. That's how it ended up in the United States. That's how it ended up in Australia, Asia, Europe. Spreading this virus and killing hundreds of thousands. They lied. So, in this letter, Trump sat back and said there is, uh, he said that the WHO has an alarming lack of independence from China. And he accuses the agency of consistently ignoring credible reports that the virus was spreading way back in December. 
The letter also accused the WHO that they delayed the WHO delayed emergency declarations under pressure from President Chinese President Xi, uh, Xi Jinping. It criticizes the agency's praise of China's transparency, which we just talked. And it ignored the censorship that China was putting on their physicians when they actually discovered that this virus was serious. Let's not forget, China actually arrested and in some cases executed doctors <coughs> who were trying to, that's not COVID-19, who were trying to sit there and say, this is a serious issue. There are at least 15 doctors that are missing right now that they try to say this is a problem. Accuses the hue of failing to commit on virus-related discrimination against Africans within China. Dr. Tedros could have saved, this is something else the letter said, could have saved many lives if he had acted earlier and like other doctors. Specifically a European doctor. He's not talking about doctors in his cabinet. Um, he said that if this was handled like Dr. Harlem Brundtland, who was the WHO chief during the SARS outbreak in 2003, this would never have gotten as bad. President uh, Trump suspended uh, funding for the WHO back in April uh, to the howls of the media. Just in case you forgot about those howls, listen to this. He's defunding the World Health Organization during a global pandemic. Brilliant! It's like when your house is engulfed in flames, first thing you do, burn down the fire department. Defunding at WHO in the middle of a pandemic is like pulling the plug on firefighters in the aftermath of 9-11. It's like shooting at an ambulance because you don't like how quickly it responded to its first call when you still have patients uh, lying out in the street, bleeding, needing responses. Stopping funding to an organization that handles pandemics in the middle of a pandemic is like slashing your own tires because you're mad you woke up late for work. One would think that this would be cutting off your nose to spite your face. Defunding the World Health Organization in the middle of a pandemic is about like me refusing emergency trauma care to a teenager in a car crash because the police officer told me that he was texting and driving. It's the same reason you don't give your Uber driver one star during the ride. You do that shit after you're safe at home, not while you're doing 90 on the freeway. One star? Huh? One star? I'll show you one star, mother... Thank you, Grabian, for that video clip, little montage. I love Grabian. Oh, they're so good. Uh, and I know I played that before, but the big thing I have to say about that, whatever. The who jacked this whole thing up. And they have kowtowed to China since day one. They have 30 days to get their crap together, which probably means replacing Tedros and a couple of those other guys. Like the guy who wouldn't answer questions and was hanging up on that uh, uh, Indonesian or Singapore or Taiwanese reporter that was asking him, why isn't Taiwan allowed in the WHO? It's become a political organization and they're kowtowing to the Chinese because the Chinese, they expect, are going to take over the world. 
And here's the big question I have. Is all those lefties yelling about leaving the WHO in the middle of pandemic? I would ask them a question. What has the WHO done to make the pandemic better? What has the WHO done to prevent the pandemic? All I see is mismanagement by the WHO. It would be one thing if it was mismanaged because of incompetence. And there is some incompetence there. But it's another thing to be mismanaged because of, cow, of uh, bowing to the knee of, knee of China, a different country, a country that hates the rest of the world and wants to control the rest of the world. If it was because Tedros was just a dumbass, I'd say, okay, you know, get rid of him, move on. But that's not what it is. And it's systemic within the WHO. It's not just Tedros who is basically kissing Xi's butt. It's the entire organization. And the organization needs to be changed. It's unacceptable to continue funding. 500 million, four to 500 million dollars a year. And I'm going to say four to 500 million because it's actually 450 million. But to say that to people who say, oh, no, that's not, yeah, no, it's, we shouldn't be giving that kind of money. China is giving quarter of that. There's no reason we should be giving that kind of money to a uh, organization that has the best interests of one country at heart. So uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Runninfool, R-U-N-N-I-N-F-E-W-L. You can listen or download this podcast on Apple Podcast, Podbean, Podcast Addict, and YouTube. You can visit my website, watch all of the videos, and they're the full videos at www and see the links at www.dumbassestalkingpolitics.com. And let's celebrate the separation of the who of the WHO. With a little, I don't know, may sound kind of weird, with a little who. This is Gene, and you've listened to Dumbasses Talking About Me.
Are you? 